Welcome to the Draw Shops Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. Hello, hello, my amazing audience. Ready for another good, juicy episode? Today, we're going to talk Google and SEO. We're going to talk about the amazing SEO benefits of podcasting. We're going to talk about content marketing and all kinds of good things related to SEO and how you can do it better. Uh, My guest is Phil Singleton. He's a web designer, an SEO expert, and an award-winning author. Since 2005, Phil has owned and operated a digital agency based in Kansas City. And in 2016, Phil and John Jantz of Duct Tape Marketing co-wrote SEO for Growth, the ultimate guide for marketers, web designers, and entrepreneurs. And please listen to the whole interview so you can find out how to get that book. SEO for Growth is an Amazon bestseller. It's been listed as a top marketing book by Mashable, Oracle, and the Huffington Post. It's also been featured on MSNBC, Entrepreneur and Search Engine Journal, and many other industry websites. Phil and John are currently entering the next phase of their partnership by offering a training and SEO certification program to marketers and web designers and creating a national network of certified SEO consultants. So for those of you that do digital marketing, work with um, a team that does SEO, or perhaps you have your own team and you are a digital marketing agency, there's a place where they can get certified. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, we, we talk a lot, you know, a lot of times I'm talking to because I want to hear what I want to know. And of course I want to know the SEO benefits of podcasting. So we go into that hardcore and it is very true. It is awesome. Um, and I'm excited to talk to him, uh, further beyond on this interview because he's, he's got a wealth of knowledge and you will gain a lot from it. So I hope you listen to the whole thing and get a copy of that book. Hello, Phil, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today and I'm going to, I'm totally going to jump right into a question that I have, but first I'm going to ask you to give me your, your brief story about how you got to be this SEO genius that you are. <laughs> I am. Um, it's kind of funny because um, I'm such an outsider. You know, I didn't even really get into digital until after 30. Um, I went to college for, you know, business and finance and had a really exciting job in insurance the first three or four years I was out of school. <laughs> um, but I pretty quickly figured at that time, I was like, this is just not me. It was like a nine to five thing. The days were going by really quickly, uh, fat, slow, I should say. Yeah. I uh, kind of felt like a corporate zombie. And I did something really drastic. I just kind of packed up my bags, um, really made the decision over the course of a couple of days, one week. And I quit, sold everything, packed my bags and moved to Asia, of all places. Oh, wow. Yeah. So total, <laughs> total. <laughs> my parents thought, I think every we thought I was nuts. I was just thinking like, you know, even in my early twenties then I was like, it just felt like I was getting pulled down somebody else's destiny. You know, it was like, if I stay in this path, it's going to be somebody else's path, not mine. Yeah. Um, so I made this drastic change, which really clear to me why I did it now. Then it was just like, I just can't, you know, I've got to do something else. And I did, I kind of went on Phil's wild adventure through Asia. I actually ended up staying there 10 years, my wife's from Taiwan. Um, actually came back to the States and got my MBA um, and then was sent back there to work for another like eight years. I was there 10 years total, but 
one of the jobs I had that kind of got me where I in digital today was um, I was helping in Taiwan. I was during the dot com era. I was helping these software companies raise money from Asian investors. So it was pretty cool because I was you know, I speak I'm fluent in Mandarin Chinese. I would be able to take these great um, companies and showcase them kind of around Asia, China, and Taiwan. So um, cool. And it was really just easy to open doors and stuff. But the dot com, you know, AOL era just ended one night literally, and everything kind of stopped. Um, but at that time, I had um, I, I had a client. Um, it ended up just being a, basically what had happened is a software company ended up falling in my lap. And I didn't really have any experience running a business, but they needed help. They needed somebody to like man the ship and, and manage it and run the business. And it was just one of these weird things where you know, I was in the right place at the right time. And I didn't get scared from the opportunity. I think part of me was like, should I do this? Even though I don't think I can type of thing. Yeah. I ended up doing it. It was great. But it was a, it was a consumer software company. I ended up learning a ton about um, really Google because – the software that we were selling, most of the demand was coming from Google. And this is like 15, 17 years ago, uh, mostly from affiliate sales. So we'd have this software and we'd promote it on um, all these companies, these websites around the world, like forums and kind of the precursors of blogs and all this kind of stuff. And we'd pay an affiliate commission. So it was a really rude awakening to me to see that how much money we were having to pay these affiliates that really weren't doing all that much, yeah. um, but running their websites. We were writing checks for like 50, 60, $70,000 a month. And we're probably not even the only affiliate. But of course, this is back when AdWords was like 25 cents a click. And we're just like, can it go any higher than this? <laughs> it's so expensive. <laughs> yeah. and now it's like 25 bucks a click. Or I know. Stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's where I learned about it. I really kind of opened my eyes. I was like, wow, even back then, Google was driving um, purchase decisions for all sorts of things. Now it's like, I think it's become part of the purchase process. It's like, you know, one of these things, which is a natural type deal. But it was back then where I really learned about all this stuff. Well, we ended up selling the company. I moved back to, to the States in 2005. It was a nice kind of payday, but it wasn't like, oh, I can buy an island and never do anything again type of a job. Um, did something for the, for the next 40 years. I had to figure out what I was going to do. Yeah. But I ended up coming back, moving to the Midwest where my parents are. I'm in Kansas City right now. My wife and I want to come here and start a family anyway because Taiwan's kind of always hustle and bustle and great place for a young person. But um, it's just a really crowded, huge city. Uh, but we did that. And I, what had happened happened is I didn't have again any digital stuff. I was into SEO and I had some entry um, um, into like the digital space that way. But I really didn't have any graphic experience, no web design experience. I was really was starting to kind of study and try to figure out how Google worked because back then you really only had like IT people and graphics people in house, and they all they were kind of the people you looked to for anything that was happening online. Well, they really didn't know. Um, but they were the only people that we could look to. So I ended up kind of doing my own self-study. But what happened for me is moved back to Kansas City, kind of fumbled around for a couple of months trying to figure out what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And I ended up doing one like Microsoft front page website, one page website for an auto detailer, just because I was like, you know, I'm going to do this for this guy. Um, I can see, you know, in his business, he didn't have any kind of a website or anything. And he was Really, what drove me to do it is I saw this guy working his butt off for like $25 a car, but getting basically nothing from auto detailers, prepping them for sale. Yeah. And I was like, dude, if you had your own website and you could reach consumers directly, you might be able to charge $100 for a detail or $200. Um, so again, this is like 2005. I made him one website, got it ranked in about 60 days. Wow. He calls me up with his voice cracking saying, Phil, I don't know what you've done. You've changed my business. You've changed my life. And I was like, boom. 
I finally know what I want to do for the rest of my life. It was the most rewarding, like professional, oh, that's so you cool. know, um, accolade that I ever had. Yeah. I felt really good about it. But I was also like, hey, you know what? I can make some money from this. And it was that one website that I did. I had no idea what I was doing. In fact, I made a promise to the guy saying, I'll do this. I figured, you know what? If I can't do it by myself, DIY, I'll pay somebody to do it just to kind of do it. But I ended up figuring it out. You know, I fumbled my way through Dreamweaver and eventually Microsoft front, front page, which is defunct now, and made a website that made some, a guy money. And it got a couple of referrals. I got my own website and the rest is history. Crazy. So I feel like SEO, you know, Google, everything's like changing all the time. You have to like keep up with it and, and know what's happening because what might work one week isn't going to work the next week. Is, do you find that? I think that's kind of what people traditionally um, thought about, including myself, is that so much of what drove Google for the first 15 years or so of its existence was trying to figure out and make these on-site website page changes to try and keep up with stuff or you know, try and do some volume-based third-party backlinks to try and get them pointed back to your website so that that, because those, those are the kind of the two things that really moved the needle for a long, long time. So a lot of the algorithm changes that they made were dr driven towards this like two-dimensional approach. Well, about, you know, five or six years ago, they came and really changed the way that they started grading websites on their, on their algorithm. And what they did was they said, hey, you know what, we're going to start making this thing a little bit more punitive in nature. So Again, the first 15 years was more, let's just count the good stuff that you're doing um, and then not worry about the bad stuff. But then again, about five years ago or so, they started saying, hey, you know what? If we catch that you're gaming the system, we're actually going to start penalizing your website. Yeah. So people that were really trying to go do a lot of stuff or figure out what this loophole was or create a new loophole or, or try and do a bunch of volume-based stuff by hiring people offshore to create a bunch of shill backlinks and that kind of stuff – all of a sudden, like again, five years ago, they started dropping these like punitive algorithmic updates and it really shook the SEO industry and it changed behavior. And what it really, what I saw end up happening is it really started to change the way I think a lot of professional SEOs looked at how they were going to deliver services because we became a lot more accountable for the bad stuff. Yeah. Right. All of a sudden you start doing things and you do the wrong way and, and the client's phone stops ringing. Oh my God, you're in big trouble. You're in hot. You lose a client. You're getting in trouble. You get that kind of stuff. But what, it, but the good news for was, is that because Google kind of changed the behavior um, and started counting a lot more signals other than just kind of these on page and backlink type things, I think it's really made the internet a lot better because they used to always say that content was king, but you know, SEO people would snicker at that. Now, they really mean it. So you having a website that's optimized and populating it with good content and participating in social media and doing things like working on your reputation management, um, all these things are starting to get factored into the algorithm, which just makes your site and the internet a lot better. So to get back to your original question, is it change? It is kind of, but if you understand like the fundamental things that they're looking at, and you start kind of making your website the hub of all the you know, the referral source for all your marketing efforts. Right. You don't have to worry about the little technical under the hood stuff because you've kind of aligned everything the right way and made your, your website the referral source. And you can just go after like, you know, good strategic content and work on that with not necessarily having to worry about, you know, all these little changes and things that they're doing. Right. OK, so that make, that totally makes sense to me. Um, how about let's talk about podcasts and what the SEO benefits of podcasts are being that I have a podcast. I want to hear all about this. So 
Oh my gosh. I mean, this is something that's totally changed my whole outlook on the business. And this happens every like once a year or two. I'm just like, oh my God, I've discovered this really cool thing. But Isn't of course, all you, pod- <laughs> you guys have already figured it out for a long time. Um, <laughs> but I just kind of started figuring it out. And I was like, well, but yeah, there's, it's almost like where to start. There's so many great things that happen with podcasting um, that it's, um, it's almost kind of hard to wrap your head around. But First of all, I mean, obviously on a website, Lena, like yours, you, a, a, um, a podcaster is already by nature an advanced content marketer, right? Right. Because you're not only populating your website with great stuff, but you're actually going out there and distributing this kind of great content up on, on audio channels, but you're also creating show notes pages, show notes, right. And show notes pages have all sorts of great details. So they become almost like a super blog post. And one of the things that podcast audio does, I think that's really um, incredible, is that one of the top things that a lot of SEO experts have been looking at the last couple of years, especially the last year, is what they refer to as dwell time on a website. All right. So everybody's kind of looking at ways to get people to stay on a web page longer, because even though Google hasn't come out and said explicitly this is a ranking factor, most SEOs are going to tell you that it seems when you can get people to stay on a page longer that this correlates with higher ranking and more targeted traffic. Yeah. So the cool thing about an audio, especially if you plan an audio file on your website, is and everybody talks about video and how great video is, and it is, it's great, but a two-minute video is like forever. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. But a podcast is something you can click on and it goes by a lot faster and you can also be doing other things. So you stay on these web pages longer. So that by itself, I think, is one thing that's really um, interesting. But for folks like myself that have realized the benefit of doing like being a, um, a guest on shows, this is something that's really, really opened my eyes. Because one of the big things that a lot of uh, SEO companies have worked on the last couple of years is trying to do guest blog posting and contribution posts on websites all around the place. So it's gotten to the point now where it's almost become kind of like almost a spammy thing where people will contact people, can I write this blog post? And it's getting hard on webmasters to deal with this kind of these kind of requests. But if you think about the actual person that's trying to place a guest blog post on a site, it's a lot of work to draft up a really good piece of content that's 1,000 or 1,500 words and then try and shop that around on behalf of yourself or behalf of a client, right? Right. So whereas if you can position yourself and do some things where you can maybe document your body of work and yourself as an expert because you've written an ebook or written a book or done something, have a unique story, um, you can get on podcasts, high quality podcasts like yours. And all of a sudden for 30 or 40 minutes, I can give some of my best you know, ideas and background and it's a lot less work for me, right? right. To get exposure to your audience the listeners, your website. Sometimes people will put it in like email and social media, that kind of stuff. All of a sudden you get all these wins. And the same case, you know, on my side, we would go out and then cross amplify and say, hey, look, I was a guest up on Get Genius Podcast. Great name, by the way, because it's like, sounds like cool. Thank right? you. <laughs> like, I, I was just featured on Get Genius. So anything where I can say I featured myself on something that has a title of genius in it is a great, <laughs> it's, it's great right? Yeah. Um, but you got that benefit as well. So you're getting those show note links. You're getting the best kind of organic links usually that you can ever get. Um, the other thing that I noticed is a lot of podcast websites that have podcasts end up having higher trust metrics and a lot of times higher domain authority, right? Domain authority is a measure by Moz, which is the kind of industry leader for uh, SEO education. They've right. got this special measurement where they go out and say, okay, 
based on the quality of links pointing back to a website, we're going to grade it on a score of one to a hundred. <clears throat> and then there's other uh, there's other tools out there that grade websites based on trust flow. They call it or citation flow, but it's really a, a measure of trust and authority, and I think credibility based on the quality of other backlinks pointing back to your website. So. What I found is a lot of the podcast websites that have a reasonable amount of shows that they've done, like meaning not, not just five or ten or just got started and quit type of thing, um, they tend to have a lot higher domain authority and a lot higher trust than websites of in, in a similar kind of a niche or similar size. What that means for somebody who's doing a guesting campaign is any links that you earn because they pointed back to your website or your bio or your social links are a lot more valuable and meaningful um, than you would get maybe from just kind of a standard you know, guest blog post or any other kind of stuff you'd get for it. So really interesting thing I've seen. I've done about 40 of these right now and just tried to analyze the first one that I've done over the last 40 and kind of see um, how this has changed. But there's been other things that have happened. One of the things that you'll see that I've done with all the guests that I host that I've been doing on, and this works both ways, is you know if we really try and bring it and hopefully you know the host likes what you have to say and the listeners at some point like what you have to say, I've been actually following up every show with a request to grade me as a um, host, as a guest on the show. Okay. Oh, cool. So one of the things this has done for me is enabled me to get like another 30 Google reviews oh. for my business, which has had my local SEO that was already really got skyrocket. That's one thing. The second thing that I've done is I've gotten a lot of people that are in the bigger players in my niche, like I, niche, like I got one from um, John Lee Dumas last week for being on his show. He gave me a really nice one on Google, but it also enables me to use the review that I got to get better on better and better podcasts because now my booker can go and say, Hey, John Lee Dumas said, um, Phil was a great, you know, dropped a lot of value bombs or whatever he said. And I can put three or four people on that list. All of a sudden I look like a more attractive guest, right? And totally. now I'm getting on better shows and now I'm getting better links and getting more exposure and growing my audience. So all these things, I think a lot of people don't do this kind of stuff, but I look at the way the same way people like writing a book. Well, writing a book isn't just about writing a book. That's like the launching point. But a lot of people look at that as the end goal. It's the same thing with being on a podcast. I think the podcast, I think a lot of people think of it just doing the show and it's just one dimensional, okay, mini launch for the week. But there's so many like untapped things that you can do to squeeze more value out of it for the host and for the guests they just get the ROI, make it through the roof. So I wrote a, a blog post on duct tape marketing, which is the guy I wrote the book with John, John Jantz. And I right. literally, I believe this to the bottom of my heart. I think podcast guesting and podcast probably in general, even both ways, but particularly guesting is the most powerful uh, SEO tactic that I've seen in 12 years, because it's a lot less time to get out there and there's a huge bang for the buck. So and it's also gotten to the point for me where I'm like, geez, you know what? I've actually missed another thing. I don't have my own podcast. Here I got an opportunity. I'm talking to you. You've got lots of listeners who are already podcast consumers who could naturally, if they like, some of them might like you know, what I have to say or be into SEO. If I do more and more of these podcasts, I could be accumulating my own audience a lot faster than I could without it, right? Right. So I've already kind of been missing that opportunity through the shows. I've been like, dang, I've really got to get on my act. So, you know, I could go on and on about how, how the benefits have been on it. I've done some other things where like a lot of people don't do um, the full transcripts on their shows, I've noticed. Well, I've said, hey, if I, if I transcribe the show at my own cost, would you mind if I use the 
the transcripts as a blog post on my site, and I will give you a backlink and credit back to your website. So now that you're getting some extra benefit from that, so there's a lot of people, it depends on the people who do it. It's so like I did one on active campaign. They post the transcripts up, so it doesn't make sense to duplicate it. But a lot of people these days just put show notes up and they don't put the transcript up. Yeah. Well, why could be a great blog post if you clean it up and put it on your website? Now, all of a sudden, you gave the host a lot of um, um, exposure on your website, which then you can then go back and promote the host on your website, give them the backlink, back all kind of stuff, and there's another win for both um, for both parties. So. You can see, like, I'm, I'm totally, I'm so happy you asked me. I know, kind of, like, we're like so excited out. about. It. I love it, and, and I'm, I'm getting more excited. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but seriously, this is the most passionate I've been about stuff in a long time because I was like, how did I miss this? You know, it's like it's just so, you know. And I'm gonna go one more thing, and I'm gonna tell you that because I'm actually giving a presentation on this on Sunday to a large group of marketers. Oh, okay. And what I've done, and what I've totally, this is when I say I've totally changed my business. Here's what's happened: we always. When we do SEO, we, we most of our clients are you know hire us to do digital marketing and like ongoing stuff after we build them a website or whatever. Well, a lot of it always relates back to if we do the ongoing stuff relates back to some form of blog posting because blogging is still a really important piece of you know growing your business, being able to rank for long tail keywords and other things. One of the things that we've done for the last probably two years, but definitely a lot more so the last year is we don't just do blog posts for our clients. We sit down with them and say, hey, let's create a blog series of 10 or 15 posts so that we know at the end of the 15 weeks, we can stitch these together into an ebook, which then can then be used as a call to action on the website. We really want to think about how to do this. Like I just literally doing one this week called how to hire lawyers, right? So we've got 15 you know, blog posts on it. We're going to stitch it together. So you stitch it together into an ebook and then you spin the ebook into a Kindle and make them an Amazon author. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, that's the coolest thing. So I've like made a plumber one, I've made a landscaper one. And they're just like, all of a sudden I'm like part of their career history because I made them an author type of thing. That's so cool. I love then that. Then the next piece that I'm, next piece is, wow, on some of these guys. I'm like taking can, notes here, by the way. I'm like going back to my digital marketing team and like my content team. I'm not, I'm not even letting <laughs> you talk. I'm so excited. Sorry. No, that's, that, this, that's the whole purpose. I love this. So the next piece of this is what I'm most excited about, and I'm already starting to do this right now, is I'm taking their ebook for the guys that are on it, and I'm saying, let's do a podcast guesting campaign for you. So all of a sudden, I've got this like blog-based digital plan that we can charge a good amount of money for that's really not a whole lot of extra work that adds a ton of value to the client and is super shiny. I mean, they're all of a sudden, they're like, you made them an author? And now you're going to put them on a guest on these shows as an expert in their niche. Um, and that's kind of what I've been doing the second part of this year. And we're really jumping into because the clients love it. All of a sudden, it's like you said, especially if you, you go out and do a Kindle and actually even turn some of them into like a um, use create space to turn them into like a nice little, you know, 60 or 70 page, even little book. Yeah. I mean, a lot of thrilled because they're just like they never thought they'd have, you know something that looked like a book with their name on it, that kind of stuff. And we do PR on it and that kind of stuff. So literally for this little plan, you think about people, it's it almost kind of comes back into thinking like, I think like Google does or having what we call like the SEO mindset is think about like strategically winding these things up together. So, cause you can't, if you start with the blogs and you just randomly post great blog posts, you can't stitch those together and you're right. done. You can't, you know what I mean? But if you take it a step back and say, Hey, let's create a series out of this and think of it in terms of a table of contents, you still get that great weekly blog posts on the site that gets distributed in social media, helps you on SEO and grow the website out. And all of a sudden you're like basically producing a book 
while you're doing all this stuff. And if you do all the math on all these little things that are happening, all of a sudden you basically have a real digital engagement that have a lot of actual, when people talk about repurposing stuff, I think a lot of times it seems like it's like forced repurposing, but this is actually like repurposing something that has a lot of return on investment on it. And that's why I'm so excited about podcasting. (laughs) No, it's so true. I love it. It's so great. And it's like, especially because you're also, it's not just all about you. It's about who you're interacting with and who you're interviewing. So it's not totally, you know, self-serving for your company. (laughs) Exactly. It's giving a lot of value. Um, Let's talk about something that I know a lot of people want to get better at and excel at, and it's lead generation. So about, you know, what, what you do to increase that and maybe some tips for other business owners. So the biggest thing, and it's really interesting because I just actually hired a, um, I've never done any form of really outbound marketing myself for this company. Um, I do do, we've done some note like local niche magazines that I've done. So we've done a couple, um, like actual like websites for local magazines. So in that case, a lot of times they've, you know, on a barter arrangement, they've given me like a full page ad in, in their, in their magazine. So that's really about the only form of like outbound marketing that I've done, at least here locally or kind of regionally in the, in the Midwest. Yeah. All of our stuff really comes from either, um, our own organic. So you type in Kansas City SEO or Kansas City web design, we come up, you know, the top for that kind of stuff. And then we do do some pay-per-click cause you can't get everything with organic. Right. Um, and then you make people happy and you get referral stuff or, you know, a lot of times I'm sure you had, you've had this too, where you do something, one project for one client, it turns into maybe over the course of years, five projects. Totally. So that happens. Yep. Um, that happens a lot. So in our case, we really have had this. We've had great inbound leads for years because our rankings have been so high. And I was like, geez, we do such a good job that if I just hire like an outbound person that can go to networking events, maybe even make some calls or send some stuff out, you know, it'll be really easy to get new clients. Well, it's been, you know, a couple of months we've tried it and it really hasn't been that easy. So it really, what it comes back to is it just reinforces my belief on focusing on the inbound stuff. Because when somebody calls us up, off of finding us online or from an online resource, they're so, they're basically so warm. They're already edu- educated to some extent, extent and they already kind of know who you are. And, yeah. and it's so much easier to kind of you know, close them and sell them that way. So the things that we do for lead generation is I, in terms of bang for the buck, the most important thing I think anybody can work on right now is trying to build up reviews. Yeah. Because that's what the economy has become. We, nobody really goes for anything anymore without some form of follow-up social proof. You go to Amazon, you look at the reviews. You want to buy something local, you look at Google reviews. You want to go try a new place or you're looking at TripAdvisor or something else. At some point, everybody's looking at that kind of stuff. But the problem with reviews are it's it's geared for negative ones, right? Obviously, so people are incentivized if they have a bad experience to write all sorts of bad things. But I think, in my opinion, if you look at stuff, getting good reviews, are it's actually pretty rare, because if you look for a company on Amazon that's got a couple hundred reviews, well, they probably had thousands upon thousands of sales, and they basically ended up getting a small fractional percentage of the happy people. Now, they probably had a lot more happy people, but my point is that you have to be proactive and actually have a review system to be able to get the reviews and document them in places where they're going to help you out. And when you do, 
it really helps. So we focus this a lot, especially on like local clients, but really on all clients. Cause if you get more reviews and you get posted up in the right places, um, that becomes a trust signal to Google for SEO. So like we've got a watch company out of Florida, they had like 10 reviews. Now they've got over a hundred. Well, they're, they still sell nationally, but the fact that their Google listing has a bunch of reviews on it helps lift the trust of their entire website. So they get more ranking factors on that kind of stuff. So getting reviews. So that's like the biggest thing in terms of lead generation is I've never had a client where we take them from zero to 50 reviews. that doesn't say this has significantly increased our business um, in terms of leads, but also you got to think about just in terms of conversions, right? right? Because I've got some clients, I had a client right now that I had for years, I talked about reviews, 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 they had zero reviews. And then all of a sudden earlier this year, they got two one-star reviews. So they come up, you know, number one, but as soon as you type their name in, they've got a one-star review. Well, then they just lost the benefit of five years worth of working with SEO because it doesn't matter if you're number one. If somebody sees you've got a one-star review, they're not going to call you. You right. know what I mean? So exactly. Meanwhile, if they would have been working on it these years and they had 90 reviews and only got two one-star reviews, well, they'd have a 4.9 rating and that would be bare. You know what I mean? Because yes. they would have been work, working as part of the system. So that's the biggest thing I think everybody can be doing right now is is and, you, and the review thing is is really interesting because you've got to have a system for it and you got to make it easy for people to give you feedback. But you have to be persistent and tenacious and make it part of your offline routine to really collect them on an ongoing basis. And then when you get them, I think you should do it. People should make sure that they repurpose those into other things. So like I was telling you in my case, I go out, I do a podcast show, I try and bring my best, I ask for a review. The review comes back to me in a place where it's going to help me just by being in that place. But then I might take that review and put it up on my website. I might put it as part of an email outreach campaign. Right, because it's publicly out there. So I say, oh, this person said this nice thing about me here. It's kind of so you're kind of using that also to maybe help some of your your follow up or your conversion process. So that in terms of lead generation, I think that's really going to be probably one of the biggest things. Again, podcast guesting though, I've done at least thirty shows. I think probably closer to forty now, but at least thirty shows, and I've gotten over a hundred thousand dollars worth of new work just by talking. Yeah. That's crazy. That's just awesome. They like what I hear. They, yeah. you know, some of them want to do their own stuff and they're just like, this guy knows what he's talking about. All of a sudden, you know, for us, we do one $10,000 website, $2,500 a month engagement for maybe a national thing. That turns into a $40,000 engagement. You get three of those. All of a sudden, you're annualized on over $100,000 in new business. It doesn't take all that much. So that's a great, obviously, a great lead generating thing to get into podcast guesting. But and that all really comes back to website, content. And then, you know, figuring out how to roll that out in places, you know, that's going to turn into to new business for you. Right. What's your what's your best um, or most effective way of getting referrals? Referrals, um, really, the best way I've done it is just turning clients that we get in. So we get clients in from organic um, and then turn them into a good job and they share it with their friends. Now. One of the things that I've used that kind of helps me out with other clients is we will um, – I'll use my clients basically – well, here, I'm going to give you one example. This is a better example. Okay. I'm doing a book right now. This is a print example um, where we did a book. It's on the book thing where we're doing – it's called How to Hire Lawyers. And I went to one client, okay, and I said, I've got this idea. Let's put a book together about how to hire lawyers. And you go get – 10 or 11 or whatever it is of your friends that are in practices 
that aren't competing with you. And then we'll write a book up. Each one of you guys will write a chapter. How to, and so how to hire lawyers. We've got divorce, personal injury, fraud, bankruptcy. Each one of the practices came in, right? Yeah. So we did that. We, they wrote the books. They all did it. We put it all together. It's almost ready for print right now. But for me, what that's done is we're going to use the book to get these guys together. And I just created, for one, for my client, I created a little referral network for them because all of a sudden they reached out and said, hey, I've got this book project. So some of them, they kind of – and I, I told them, I said, don't just go to your, your closest friends. Go to people that you want to work a referral thing out with so you can meet, use this as an opportunity to work with them and get referrals because a lot of the lawyers will cross-refer things to each other, right? Yeah. Well, then we're using the book right now, and they keep pressuring me to do this, but we're not ready for it. We're going to use the book to launch a launch party for – those um, lawyers. So great opportunity for me to go in there. And he's already told me, hey, I think maybe two of these people want to hire you to build their website and do SEO for them. Right. So I've created this little book project by compiling people together. I'm going to make I'm going to make 12 people an author. And these are lawyers. Already three of them are so excited about them. Like, Can we see the book yet? Can we? And it's like, not yet. Hang on. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so that's been a great way. Again, you're kind of getting into the book thing and, and that kind of deal. But um, that's really been a great way, I think, to help us generate some some definitely some new leads. And I'm almost positive I'm going to get one or two new clients out of it um, to do it that way. And that's I think anybody can do that, right? Because you can repeat this in legal. You could go do a, you know how to hire home services and go get the plumbing, electrician, all these kind of guys together. It could be medical and all that kind of thing. So that's something we're going to work a little bit um, higher this year. But for me, the referrals has mostly been on um, – you know, you do a good job on what you're doing and exactly. And yeah. They just kind of come naturally. Totally. So I love, and this is a question I was told to ask you. So of course I want to know what is your biggest bang for the buck SEO tip for, for business owners? I hate to say something we already mentioned, but I would first say reviews only because you, you can do that without hiring anybody. Okay. Now that's in your wheelhouse. And there's certain things like we offer these things called the review funnel, which you're going to see after the show because I'm going to send you one. But awesome. it's pretty cool because it's like you you send this thing in the email and it's basically a link to a little special little mini website that just pulls up like five stars, right? And you click the first star, let's say, because you didn't like me. Well, then a form pops up and you vent on the form and it comes back to me. Well, if you click the fifth star, I send you on a path directly to Google Right so you see, you got a little kind of review funnel there. That little thing that we sells more than, I mean, people just, it's such a no brainer because people are like, oh my gosh, now I can be more aggressive with reviews and not worry about, you know, getting bad ones. So, yes. That, and, and you don't even need something fancy like that. I mean, literally, if you could just figure out a way to generate like a Google Plus, you know, a link to our Google Maps link, any client out there, even the least sophisticated ones, are capable of going through their mail list, especially the Gmail list, because that's the easiest ones to get. And doing it, but it doesn't have to be just be Google. It could be anywhere. It could be whatever your niche is. It could be LinkedIn or wherever you want to send people. But doing that, to me, I think reviews is it is it's the new or part of the new online referral process. You know what I mean? It's like totally. It totally is. Yeah. So that's how you can generate reviews, referral stuff for yourself. But get your happy people out there in places where they'll see it, and it's almost like a little self-referring piece of content. <laughs> Love it. Okay, and then before we close. I would love for, for you to tell us what you feel is the biggest mistake that small business owners are making when it comes to SEO, whether they're doing it themselves or whether they're hiring out for it. Yeah, I love this question, too, because it's to me, the biggest problem out there in digital marketing today is 
well, there's two things. One is people realize the phone's not ringing, so they go out and try for some random tactic, right? Yeah. My phone's not ringing. Let me try this advertising. My phone's not ringing. Let me try AdWords. My phone's not ringing. But what they really need is some kind of a holistic strategy or better approach, right, versus just trying some random thing that's not tied into anything. Well, the biggest mistake that I see, and we see it every single day of every week, is most business owners don't view their website as an asset. They look at it as a digital brochure or as an expense. Mm, so what true. we as an industry need to be teaching people, that's what one of the things we did with the book is you have to look at your website as a marketing asset, as a marketing platform, not as a digital brochure. That means you got to pay attention to it. You've got to tie stuff into it. You've got to invest in content and blogging and perhaps even maybe doing a podcast at some point. Um, but again, though, the bigger this is really puts it in, I think, into perspective for folks. A lot of people leave their websites, they treat them as digital brochures, they leave them static. And if they do anything, if they're going to post up any great content, they put it up on a place like Facebook where it passes through the river once and dies. Well, what you really want to do is post your great content up on your website, link to link, post that link up to Facebook so you can force people back to the site where you can pixel them with the Facebook tracking, with Google AdWords so you can remarket to them later, so that you can show your special offer or your ebook or all that kind of stuff, and really kind of treat your website as the referral source for all your best stuff, right? right. When you're accumulating your reviews, you're accumulating your blog posts, you're showing you know, your all this kind of stuff, and actually treat this thing as an investment, it will always, over time, help you generate leads if you treat it that way. But if you let it sit there as this little static thing that's got a blog post from like, you know 2010, it's, you're never probably going to get one lead off of it, right? right? So that's the biggest mistake is trying to get people to think about. And the problem is you get a lot of these companies around the U.S. anyway that they tell you, hey, you can just buy a website for $50 a month and <laughs> we'll get you listed on Google and that's all you need. So they basically brainwash people into thinking that that's all they are. They're just little digital brochures. Go put them up there. Um, you don't need an experienced digital marketer to help you, you know, develop a strategy and kind of bake that into a website that's going to help you grow type of a thing. And that's the biggest mistake I think that people make is is not really thinking of their website as a you know as an asset and as an investment. Yeah, there's no strategy, no plan. It's just diving in, going, oh, that person says it'll work, so let's do it. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Well, this is awesome. I want people to be able to get more information. And your book is called SEO for Growth. How can they get a copy of this book? It's um, well, definitely go if you're going to think about getting the book. Go to our, our website and check it out first because we've got a nice little um, giveaway that includes a three ebook bundle. One, the guys at Yoast, uh, Yoast Devok, who does the Yoast WP plugin, he gave us like a really awesome, uh, it's like a hundred page ebook I think on how to optimize your website oh, for nice. WordPress. And then we got one from Larry Kim of um, of um, at, uh, WordStream. Um, WordStream. He wrote us one, and we've got a local SEO book. So you go up there. I think on Amazon, if you're a Prime member, you get like SEO for growth for free. You download it, come back to the website, and you get this free ebook bundle. So it's probably another like $30 worth of um, books that we're giving away for free on the site. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, if you want to check out my little website, kcwebdesigner.com, that's kind of – we both mostly just only service Kansas City and uh, kind of the Midwest-type businesses. But that's kind of the, the little website that started it all. <laughs> Awesome. Um, they probably need to make over. And the other thing I'll say is I've gotten so hyper-focused on podcasting that I actually started my own podcast booking business called podcastbookers.com. And we've got clients. We've got clients. They're happy. They're getting you know, exposure and that kind of stuff. And um, really, I did it because I was like, gosh, this is like – I can't believe I missed this. And there's so much value in it that um, 
that um, I gotta, you know, I gotta figure out a way to, to bring this to other folks, and and that's what we're doing. That's awesome. Yeah, there's that's that's such a great service because you know people are like, well, I want to be on shows, and they have no because I think that's a great way too to get started if you want to do your own podcast is to be a guest on somebody else's. <laughs> so yeah, well, I think yeah, and then you come to the if you do a few of them like I've done, it's like it's a natural thing. It's like I gotta have my own podcast, right? Because right. I'm losing opportunity. And the access you get to people is incredible because it's like, I want to sell you a website. No, I want to feature on the Get Genius podcast. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Or whatever it is. Lo- I'm, mine's going to be called Local Business Leaders. So who's not going to want to be on that show that's a local, right? Because it's like the name in itself, I think, is attractive. And it's just much easier to get people as a guest than it is, you know, into your conference room for a sales pitch. Totally. Totally. I love it. Well, I'm going to check that out. Thank you so much. This is so, so much good stuff. I love it. I'm ex- exceptionally excited about the the whole podcasting and like that whole like rant you went off because I'm like, Thank I, you for letting me I just took totally so many out. notes. I was like, yeah, that's so true. I love it. And it's funny because that's what, you notes know, yeah, whenever we do our reporting calls and stuff with our digital marketing team, they're always just like, keep it up with the podcast. It's awesome. And I'm like, all right, you know, and it's, it's so cool how much you can, you can leverage it, you know, it's great. So thank you for that. And thank you for all the genius that you gave us today so much for having me. Thank you for listening to today's Get Genius. You can learn more about The Draw Shop at www.thedrawshop.com on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Your home for kick-butt custom whiteboard marketing videos. Your ideas come to life. Thanks for listening. Please share, comment, and make any suggestions for future genius guests. 